Welcome to episode 54 of the Cinefessions podcast. I'm one of your hosts. My name's Brandon Chowan. And joining me tonight, we have Ash Collins and Mark Nadu. Ash, how are things going tonight? Things are going. Excellent. And how about you, Mark? How are you doing? Uh, I'm surprised I'm still functioning right now. Yeah. Um, so like we talked on the last podcast, I had decided to do a movie binge thing at the Cineplex uh, right. yesterday because it was cheap day. Well, I didn't uh, just because I felt kind of guilty since I said 11 movies left to watch for my uh, backlog <laughs> challenge. So I watched two movies at home and then I went to see a late film at uh, at the Cineplex. I saw The Conjuring 2. Oh, and okay. now I realized during the day that I made a mistake just because I said yes to a 9.50 p.m. showing. But I worked this morning at uh, 6 o'clock. And I get up around 3.30 in the morning for to be at work for 5.45, right? So the movie starts at 9.50. And after about five commercials, six trailers, the actual film didn't start till about maybe 10.10. I didn't leave there till about 12.15. And it's about a 25-minute drive home. So I didn't get a bit to about 1 o'clock, up by 3.30. Worked a 12-hour shift. Drove home here. Had two tacos and a spoonful of peanut butter. And I'm podcasting. So <laughs> if I fade during this podcast, just nudge me or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Lots of coffee fueling this system today. Wow. Yeah. Good times. <laughs> you guys smell that? No. <laughs> Never mind. Very good. So speaking of uh, CSSC5. What, uh, let's, let's talk about your current status here. I know you were, uh, you had 11 movies to go. Now we just recorded two nights ago, which is unusual. Normally there's a week in between shows, but we're trying to get back on schedule. And so we recorded a couple nights ago, so you probably haven't done too, too much, but, uh, you were at 11 left to go. So you're at, uh, what, 19 of 30, I guess that'd be. I'm at, uh, what's your... yeah, I'm at 21 now. So I got eight left, eight okay. left in what, eight days. Eight. So yeah. Uh, yeah, so I should be able to uh, make it if I double up, maybe triple up on my days off. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. But, you know, fingers crossed. It's an endurance race. Right. It's not how fast they do it. It's as long as they do it. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so any uh, anything that you want to talk about in terms of what you've watched so far during your, your challenge? Well, I realized that... I've got some pretty sweet films at home yeah. and I don't know why I buy stuff and I just put it away to look nice on the shelf. <laughs> um, now I did buy a lot of movies, like a lot of films. Um, I had won some kind of auction, uh, years ago when I was part of the room work board and, uh, I must have won over a hundred movies for like a hundred and some bucks. Like it was a steal. Like nobody participated. So my little <laughs> bid won. Um, so a lot of these movies are actually part of that just because there's only a few that I really want out of the lot, but I kept them all anyways. And I'm kind of glad I did. Um, one of the first ones I watched was a film called Mute Witness from 1995. Okay. And it's a, it's a North American film, or I guess it's a U.S. film, but based in Russia. Oh. Um, a large part of the cast is Russian, um, but they all speak English and Russian. Um, I'm actually looking at the MDB page right now, and a lot of the last names finish with OV. So, yeah, it's mostly a Russian cast, and it's about this American director who's filming a... 
horror movie. I a werewolf movie. No, um, <laughs> filming, <laughs> uh, filming a horror film in Russia because I guess it's cheaper. And one of the production assistants is um, mute, and uh, she witnesses a snuff film in the making, and then is pursued by the people wanting to shut her up. Um, awesome flick. I really dug it. Uh, the lead actress, a Marina Zudina. Um, it's her only, I guess, English film role, but at the same time, she's mute, so she doesn't talk. Mm-hmm. But it's like her only, 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 pardon me, her only English, um, credit, uh, or I guess English film credit. And, uh, yeah, it felt a bit like an HBO, you know, straight to their channel type of film, mm-hmm. but not one of their biopics before they became prestigious with their bio movies, you know? Um, yeah. Yeah. So it had that kind of feel to it. Um, I loved it. Uh, it was actually really good. Um, surprising. Uh, Surprisingly enough, she actually had a new teen in it, which just oh. I did not expect. Yeah. Um, kind of, I don't think it, it bumped up the score in my opinion because the movie was pretty solid to begin with. It kind of falters at the end, um, but uh, who's going to say no to some boobies? Um, <laughs> so yeah, so I according to my letterbox now because I watched this back on the first of June, um, <laughs> I gave it four to five stars. Excellent. Um, so it was actually pretty. Pretty decent. I'm not sure if any of you guys have seen this film before. Nope, I have not. No? Okay. But uh, yeah, Mute Witness. Uh, if you can find it, check it out. I'm sure you can find it. Uh, well, <laughs> if we sell Blockbusters, I'm sure you can find it at your local Blockbuster. Now, <laughs> I'm not sure exactly where. Um, going through, I'm gonna, I am gonna. I don't want to go through all of them just because that's 30 films. So the ones that really popped to me, um, and again, I'm not going to go through all 21 tonight. Um, I also watched a directed video, Amityville. It's about time. Oh, okay. Which and number is that? It's, I, I don't know. Okay. Um, it's from 1992. Um, I think it's part of the, like, it's not in the actual house, but it's about this architect who buys an heirloom and it's a clock that was in the house. So, oh. of course, now the clock is possessed. So it's uh, affecting the people inside the house. Trying to transform the house into like an Amityville house, um, I think at the same in the same line as the Amityville dollhouse movie, where you know it's just items from the house now, no longer the house. Right. Um, I guess the big star for this film is uh, the father or the guy who played the father in uh, Monster Squad, uh, Stephen Mashed, M A C H T. He's I guess the, the big um, the the big star. If anything, this one went direct to video back in '92. Um, it's bad, but it's one of those movies that it's really bad, but it's fun because it's so bad. Okay. Like you'll see boom mics in the screen. Uh, <laughs> you'll see, you know, uh, there's one scene where the doors shut by themselves, but you can kind of see the fishing line at the, on the knobs, you know, it, just stuff like that. It makes me like, I love direct video nineties flicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this one was from Trimark. I'm not, I don't recall exactly. Um, IMDb is not really telling me right off the bat here, but, uh, yeah, it had one of those like Return of the Living Dead 3 feels to it, but just not as good. Um, okay. there's some, you know, daughter being possessed and now tries to hit on the brother type of thing. So I'm all into that. <laughs> uh, you know, that's Megan Ward. Uh, and she was in a whole bunch of films. Like she was in PCU. She was in Sino Man, Joe's Apartment. So I guess she was pretty big as well. 
Um, but the one that you know came to mind to me was uh, Stephen Mack. So um, I gave that one only. No, actually, what? <laughs> I gave it four stars as well. I, <laughs> I must have put something in my own Kool Aid. Right. Um, That's actually the sixth film in that series of a whopping 14 films. Well, there will be 14 once The the Awakening comes out in 2017. You know what? And I'm sure they're all fantastic. Like, I dig possession films. Again, like Conjuring 2 last night. Loved it. I love that kind of shit. Um, So this is up my alley. Um, And it's it's 92. And it looks like 92. It's got, like, the style of the house is very 1992. (laughs) Um, So take it as you will. Uh, But, yeah, I I really dug it. Again, not a masterpiece, but it's one of those things where you might want to, you know, have a group of friends, have some beers, enjoy a pizza and kind of laugh at it, but also enjoy it for what it is. Hmm. That's what I do. I enjoy things for what they are. Um, Again, I watched Conan the Destroyer, not as good as The Barbarian. And again, all these movies I have not seen prior to this challenge. So, yeah, this one so far I think is the oldest one. you haven't seen Castaway? Until yesterday? Spoiler alert for two episodes from now. Yeah, what? I had never seen what? Castaway up until yesterday. Oh, I think I've owned the movie for 14 years and I've never watched it. I did not know Helen Hunt was in Castaway. <laughs> I was I thought it was just Tom Hanks and a beach volleyball, and that's pretty much it. But yeah, I I had no clue she was in the movie. So I'm like, hey, that's uh, that's Helen Hunt. I guess she's done something since Twister, and as good as it gets. <laughs> so yeah so you know and that's part of the fun in doing this challenge is i'm like i'm i'm appreciating these movies where they are now and i'm, I'm discovering things that you guys have known for years you know <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um so quite the destroyer fun not as good as a barbarian i only give it two and a half out of five okay. um cro- the crocodile hunter collision course <laughs> never watched it why do i own it i think i got it for cheap Back in the day, um, my uh, the girl I was dating at the time, she knew a lady that would fence stolen goods, possibly, maybe. Don't know for yeah. sure. I don't ask. I never got a receipt. Personally, didn't really care. I think I got the movie for like five bucks. Back when, you know, DVDs were like 20 bucks. So, yay for me. Um, yeah, it, it, it kind of sucked that, you know, now I'm watching this, knowing that Steve Irwin is, has passed away. Yeah. Yeah. Um, kind of thought it was funny that his nature scene like this was like a weird matchup of movies because you had him doing his tv show and then it's like cut into like this cia you know satellite recovery movie so it was kind of weird to me but what i found funny is that every time he did like one of his like animal scenes where he's like oh crikey check out this spider he's just being attacked by black flies like they're all (laughs) over the place you know uh, so, yeah, um, so I'm assuming they probably, you know, took scenes of, like, his TV show they didn't use or they refilmed <laughs> it on, like, you know, better film for this movie. Right. So it was weird. It was okay. I give it a third of five. Um, again, I'm going to go fast here. Mm-hmm. Um, Vamp from 1986. Oh, you hadn't seen Vamp? I had never. Oh, my God. You know what? I think I had – because I was watching it and it felt familiar – up until a certain part. So I think I'd started it and I'd never finished it. Ah, okay. I've not seen that one. Oh, awesome. It, awesome. it is a great movie. I remember watching that a lot when I was a kid. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah. And please jump in if you've seen these films. Um, this one, fantastic. 
uh, starring um, Chris Makepeace, who was in uh, a few other films like Meatballs. Apparently, was in The Bodyguard. I don't remember him in The Bodyguard, but uh, he was an interesting lead for this movie. Pretty much him and his buddy. Uh, okay, so he plays Keith. His buddy, AD, trying to get into a frat. They're like, hey, you know what? Instead of going through this stupid initiation, how about we get a stripper for the kegger tonight? So they, <laughs> so they go to the city and they try to pick up a, uh, a stripper to be at their show or at their, at their party. And, of course, they pick the only bar or that's, you know, uh, ran by vampires. <laughs> and uh, yeah, hijinks occur. Uh, the head vampire is Grace Jones, who... Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I personally don't find her body type that attractive, but she was mesmerizing in this movie. Yeah, she is great in that. Yeah. Also, she doesn't talk. She's one of those like elder vampires who's pretty mute and pretty much just, you know, uh, tells people to do things with glances and, you know, hand movements. Um, Billy Drago's in it, which I always enjoy. Um, One, I guess I'm a big 80s fan. And this is pretty heavy 80s, you know, like, this. I guess this was made in 85, so obviously it is very 80s. Um, yeah. Dee Dee Pfeiffer was so gorgeous in this film as a old high school chum that works as a waitress in this vampire bar, not knowing it's a vampire bar. Uh, she was so cute, crimped hair, you know, 80s style makeup and clothes. I just, I just loved it. Um, check it out. I think it's one of the only movies I've seen where the sewers are actually lit by neon lights. Everything had this <laughs> like, this pink and green hue, which I think is awesome. You know, I think uh, one of my favorite little touches that they threw in there is uh, two of the vampire strippers are getting uh, ready to go on stage and they're at a dressing mirror, uh, which, <laughs> you know, it, but there's no mirror in it. So one of them is making up the other one and the other one's making up the other one They're You know, so they're so they're they're touching each other up because they don't have reflections so <laughs> because they're vampire strippers yeah which is i awesome. loved it i i still think the queen vampire stripper is obviously sama Hayek from dust till dawn oh um, yeah grace jones does make a uh a memorable appearance in this film uh totally worth checking out especially if you like 80s movies one of the things i liked uh the most about vamp is i guess uh grace jones had two like henchmen like renfield type characters um, okay. one was mute, but he looked like uh, an old school bouncer, white hair, uh, always had a cigar, a cigar in his mouth. The other one, um, his name is Sandy Barron. That's the actor's name. Born in 36, died in 2001. Looked like an old school Vegas guy. He was in Sid and Nancy. He was in the out of towners from 1970. Um, okay. he played a lounge lizard style, like, not bar i guess in a way he was a bar manager and his big thing was that he wanted to convince uh grace jones's uh, character who was katrina to move to vegas because he liked vegas's style but he had never been to vegas before so that's a bit of a running joke but just having like that actor in in the film it just i don't i kind of made it special and i don't know why he just had that that i i don't know what you know, <laughs> that makes that sometimes you just like a movie just because. Yeah. And that feeling. yeah, he was a big part of that. Um, so, yeah. So that was Vamp. And I had uh, given that uh, about, I gave that three and a half stars. 
Um, and again, I'm rambling on here, so I'll make the last two quick. Um, I finally watched Lara Croft Tomb Raider from 2001. Okay. Had never seen. Thought it was okay. Um, man, that's when Lara Croft was still, or Lara Croft, that's when Angela Jolie was still being built more like a sex symbol. Right. You know, mm -hmm. you know this, this is post-Gia. So, you know, we already seen her naked, but still hot, you know. No, she's still hot now, but um, I guess the thing I take the most from this film is one that everybody has an English accent except for Daniel Craig who plays an American. So he had an, an American accent, which was weird. Yeah. And two, I don't know how they did this, but at the end, when Lair Croft is running, the programmers got the breast physics just perfect. Like it looked so real. I wanted to play the game over and over again. It was awesome. I had they my actually, joystick. Yeah, they actually padded Angelina Jolie out for that movie. Oh, they did. Really? Eh? Yep. See, it still looked natural to me. Yeah, well, they know? didn't have to. They didn't have to to do Too much. much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I kept pressing, you know, the start button on my joystick, and it was like, wow, this is awesome. Yeah. Um. So in the last I saw one, that one. Oh, in, yeah, go ahead. I saw both of those. My buddy and I went to go see him in theaters, and mm -hmm. I have not seen either of them since. And I couldn't, I, I honestly don't even like remember them at all. I the liked the first one quite a bit. The second mm -hmm. one was kind of forgettable. It, like it had some neat sequences, but the plot was just kind of mishmash thrown together for the second one. And you know what? I, I'd like to agree with you on that or disagree. But for some reason, uh, my copy of the sequel, I think it was Cradle of Life, uh, succumbed to DVD rot. Oh, that's right. Which is, yeah, it's the first DVD I owned that had DVD rot. Um, so I'm not sure it's just a bad pressing because the other movies from that era are fine. Even older DVDs are fine. So I'm just assuming it's a bad batch of DVDs. Yeah. But they wouldn't read my PS4, wouldn't read my PS3. So I just chucked it. And you can see, I believe I took a picture for the uh, for the Twitter. Yep. And there's like it's like a fog between the layers of the disc. Uh, so the laser just won't read it, yeah. right? Um, last film I want to talk about for today is, uh, one that, uh, again, I got in the, that, uh, lot of films, which I never watched, um, hard to die. Holy shit. That movie was awesome. So the reason why I watched this one, um, apart from the girl holding the machine gun in her brawn panties on the cover. <laughs> <laughs> Again, in the age of the internet now, I you know it, it takes more for me to, to capture my eye. Um, this one is from 1990, and it's a semi-sequel to uh, Swarty House Massacre 2. What? Are you yeah. serious? Serious. Um, one of the actors from the film, uh, Peter Spillos, I met at uh, Wasteland, I guess, maybe a year and a half, two years ago. And actually got an, an 8 by 10 of Hard to Die signed uh, by him. Very cool guy. And uh, yeah, like he's not even um, billed as himself in the film. He's billed as his character being in the film. Um, so <laughs> yeah. So, it, so okay. Th this is so weird. So Sword House Massacre 2 is directed by Jim uh, Wernowski. And he's the one who, uh, he wrote Joysticks with one of the actresses. Um, he did, uh, I'm drawing a blank here and now my, my computer is freezing up. Um, 
uh, he did he did a whole bunch of films. Uh, oh, he oh he did us. Uh, uh, um, fuck. <laughs> I'm drawing a fucking blank right now. Well, fuck me. So, anyways, um, he he did a whole bunch of like these these awesome B movies, which, which I didn't realize he did at the time. Um, so he did Sword Dance Massacre two as a guy called Arch Stanton, and then Arch Stanton directed um, Heart to Die. So he's got a cameo of him as a. Po- it's a bit of a mind fuck because they're taking characters from the movie. And it's like they're making hard to die. It, it, it's really weird. Oh, he did Chopping Mall. I should yes, know I this. Think. I was staring at the poster right in behind my computer. Mm-hmm. Anyways, um, yeah. So awesome B movie actor and or director and actor. I suppose he's uh, acting a lot of the movies he's uh, been in. But so anyway, so hard to die. Um, it's about these two girls. They go to work on a Saturday. They work for for Acme Lingerie. And they're supposed to be doing uh, a stock inventory. So, of course, they get two other girls to help them out that are temps. And then uh, another girl that's just got hired as a secretary for the owner of the lingerie company, who's a bit of a skis ball. So, they go to the basement. They do commentary. Uh, they do commentary. They do inventory. And then they go back upstairs into the boss's office and decide one at a time to start taking a shower. Which is fantastic. Uh, the uh, the way, the aspect ratio on these scenes are jaw dropping. Like I I was blown away by the way that these girls bathe themselves in in the shower. The emotions they use as the soap would go clockwise and counterclockwise on their chest. <laughs> the way the water would hit the follicles of hair and the way the water refracted into the camera. I tell you. If I could print this off and make wallpaper, my condo would be covered in shower scene wallpaper from this movie. It is amazing. <laughs> so, because it's a lingerie company, they decided to all then wear lingerie for the rest of the film. So, these girls, after being naked in the shower, they're wearing lingerie. They continue doing the inventory, but they get a special package in the mail that's sent to them by mistake. They open the package, voodoo curse happens, girl gets possessed, starts killing everybody. <laughs> if I say any more, I've said a lot. But if I say any more than that, it gets rid of some of the fun, so I'll stop. But this probably is one of the biggest gems that I have that I had never seen before in this movie lot. Um, it is fantastic. I gave it a shit ton of stars. I gave it four out of five. That's 80%. <laughs> That's pretty good. Um, yeah, that's one I definitely need to uh, borrow from you. I got to check that out. Yes. And uh, right now, for those in Canada, you can buy it on DVD from Amazon.ca for the low, low price of $197.01. Holy shit. Yeah. So, yeah, uh, for, it's out of print, apparently. Um, I've seen some listings uh, in the 800s. I don't know who would pay 800s for yeah. this. Yeah, I sent you a picture. Um, but, yeah, it's out of print and it's... Uh, Pretty much this one movie paid my movie purchase uh, when I got this lot of films. So, right. so yee me. But uh, on this note, I'm going to pass along to uh, to you guys. I've, I've talked enough and I'm sure everybody's tired of hearing me. So, uh, yeah. Who's next? Well, speaking of, uh, 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 we're, oh, how do you hell say his name? Um, Jim. Jim Wernerski. Wernerski. Yeah. He um, is the subject of the documentary called Papatopoulos. 
that I really? watched. I feel like I watched it for a Cinefession Summer Scream Challenge a couple weeks or a couple years back. But uh, it's a document because this guy has done almost like uh, over a hundred films to his credit. Yeah. And IMDb has ninety nine credits for as director, and they're all B movies. You know, like Chopping Mall is probably one of his biggest yeah. out of that bunch. And uh, the documentary was fascinating. He was filming. Um, it was like the witches of Brestwick three or two or some shit like that. <laughs> and so it like goes through his filming process and it was hilarious. Like he is just an interesting, fascinating man. So I highly recommend Papatopoulos. For, I'm going to have to uh, check that out. Well, you know what? He was so cool because actually he was at the same convention of Wasteland that uh, Peter's Pillows was. And uh, very cool guy. And I wish I knew more of his of his uh, filmography before I yeah. met him, uh, because I've seen some of his movies since, like Joysticks. He wrote, and I believe he had a small scene in it, um, and awesome. Like he, he was in the special features. I watched every all the special features on the disc because I was just enamored by it. Um, yeah, really cool guy. I hope he goes back to Wilson again because I got questions for him now. Yeah. <laughs> You know, like I, I want, I want to cast his next film. That's what I want to do. Right. <laughs> I have a knife for talent. All right. So excellent. So you are 21 of 30 in. Yes. So what about you, Ash? What is your current status update here? Now, just to refresh, Ash's goal was the Generation Revisited to watch all 50 episodes of Star Trek Next Generation that he had picked out and watch Alien Quadrilli and The Thing. So where are you at now? Um, I have, uh, I'm most of the way through Aliens. Um, so I've got two more Alien movies to watch and I'm watching them with the commentary on now, uh, just yeah. cause I've never watched them that way before. Um, and it's different commentary than I've heard before, but I am like, I, like, like I mentioned the last podcast, um, it's all stuff I knew, but it's right. just kind of interesting with the, the actual people telling their side story type of thing. Um, but uh, yeah, it's interesting hearing James Cameron and I'm uh, I'm guessing his now ex-wife, but then wife when they filmed Aliens uh, talk about it. But I think Cameron did his audio separately from her. And it's like her and like a couple of uh, like the set designer and like one other person in the background and like Cameron's kind of off by himself. And then they had like a bunch of the actors. Um, they had like Hudson and Vasquez and a couple of the other people. Um, oh, uh, Bishop and oh, shit. Who else did they have? I don't remember who else they had, but then they have those guys like separate and they kind of they do that with Alien, too uh the uh you know they have like a couple of people and they must have all recorded it at different times but they splice in the relevant commentary at that time you know where where yeah. it's relevant to the scenes and stuff which is kind of interesting but uh yeah it, it's interesting here cameron and his ex-wife talk about how terrible it was filming aliens because uh the the british people didn't he terminator hadn't come out in england yet so they thought he was just some hotshot new director and they weren't giving him like anything he wanted. So he would have to go around and like do all the shit himself on set and stuff. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'd heard that one before, but you know, it was just interesting hearing both, you know, him and his ex-wife tell the, tell the story. So that was kind of cool. Awesome. Yeah. That's a good commentary as well as the alien commentary is really good too. Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah. I'll definitely have to check that out. I've not watched those with the commentary tracks at all. Yeah. So, and I think you said last time you are, you already finished the, all the episodes of Next Generation, right? Yes. Yep. Awesome. So to complete your challenge, you only have what, three films to watch then? Basically. Yeah. Excellent. Good for you. That's good. Oh, that seems so doable. <laughs> I do have I do have one thing uh, I started watching on Netflix. I haven't finished it. Uh, it's not part of the challenge, but but it was uh, it was some, an anime that we started watching that was pretty cool. Um, God, dog, shut up! <laughs> but the uh, the one anime I started watching it, Netflix actually picks it up. Uh, it's called Asian Demihuman, uh, spelled A J I N. Um, a gene, sorry. Um, Agent, whatever, Agent. Um, but uh, this, it's about these uh, people uh, living amongst, you know, like normal people, but they can't die. They're immortal. Uh, okay. Basically, like whatever happens to them, if they get shot, run over by a truck, whatever, they'll get back up no matter what happens to them. And like the opening of the series starts off with this one U.S. trooper who has gone just ape shit, and he's just killing everybody in this like african village and they're trying to take him out and they keep shooting him and he drops and then he, of course he gets back up and they just keep shooting it's just it's ape shit uh but they they do all sorts of weird stuff and then it cuts to japan where it follows this kid who he kind of feels out of place anyway and he doesn't have a lot of friends he doesn't like his fr- the friends he does have and stuff like that but he ends up uh, trying to figure, you know, he's he's interested in all this, and he's like, you know, he actually asks, you know, hey, you know, these uh, gene, you know, but uh, would they technically be people? And they're like, well, no, no, they're not human, you know, type of thing. And he's like thinking about it as he's walking home, and completely doesn't see the truck coming, and he gets mm-hmm. plowed over by this truck. So then he gets back up, and everybody he knows is like watching him. So he ends up on the run. And like the show kind of follows him as he ends up hooking up with his, one of his former friends who was still friends with him, but his mom basically made him not be friends with him. Uh, And he runs off with him while like the military and the government and the secret organization and a bunch of the free ones are hunting after him. So it was, it's kind of cool. It's interesting. Yeah. One of the scenes is just, it's freaking brutal. This uh, this one, I think it's episode three. Um, this woman is giving this interview. They're interviewing his sister who's in the hospital. And the Ajin, some of them can project this like demon that no one can see except for other Ajin. A black, a black ghost, basically, is what they refer to it as because it's black. Uh, okay. But when you, when you can see it. And it just, it's the one of the other ones that's hunting him sends in his black ghost and just rips the shit out of everyone in the room <laughs> and it's just it, it reminded me the the op- the first thing when he does is he like gra- he puts his fist through this one girl's chest and then lifts her up and it reminded me of the scene in nightmare on elm street where mm-hmm. freddie picks her up in the dream and cuts her open in front of you know rod but i mean it's just it's even gorier than that i mean it's just oh it's just yeah <laughs> it's really well done <laughs> That's awesome. Very good. All right. Yeah. So for me, I, um, on what was it? I guess we recorded Monday. So a couple of nights ago, I was at 111 trailers watched. Well, uh, I, yesterday was, was very productive for me. Not only did I cut my lawn, I watched Saw 5 and 
I completed all 160 trailers. Hey. Yeah. So I was pretty pretty damn pleased myself at this point. So the only thing left to do that I have is to watch two films, which there's no way in hell I'm not going to do that because oh, you know, be so, oh, so he, he says that. That's going to be so but. tough. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so man, these trailers. So I actually watched uh, two full DVDs, um, the 42nd Street Forever Volume 5 and Trailer War. And then I watched uh, Blu-ray, Trailer Trauma. And so I watched all of those. And then at that point, I had like six left to do. So I was like, well, what, what should I watch next? Well, I was able to track down uh, 42nd Street Forever, the Triple X Stream edition. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> man, you weren't kidding. Those were full-blown, hardcore porn trailers. Oh, like, you won't find more uh, coming on Bush than in that disc it's a lot of bush coming it was funny as hell it was i was shocked honestly because you know i didn't expect it to be as as blatant as it was or as uh what's the word graphic as it was the first trailer i mean there's anything you could think of is happening in that very opening trailer of that dvd but um yeah so i finished out my my six with that just for the hell of it really so I've watched 160 trailers in the past 22 days, so I'm pretty happy about that. And uh, you know, I just because I'm odd, I guess I uh, wrote down every single title of the movie I watched. I wrote down where I was watching it from, so what the source was, which DVD or which Blu-ray, and then uh, had a checklist if there was nudity go- or gore. And so I know I can tell you on 160 of these, which ones had nudity, which ones had gore, which ones had both. And then whether I'd watch the film or not based on the trailer. And then I gave the trailer a star rating. Oh, wow. Using our four star scale. So I did that for all of them. And then I wrote notes about every single one of them. So I'm probably going to post this in some <laughs> way or shape or form because I spent time doing it. So why the hell not? But mm-hmm. I only ended up giving four trailers a perfect 4.0. And uh, one of those was Heartthrobs from the Extreme Edition, from the Triple X one, <laughs> which had like <laughs> 70s Ron Jeremy. And it was, oh no, it was just, it was awesome. It was so funny and just perfect. Uh, I gave a 4.0 to Frankenstein in 3D is what it was called, but it's actually Andy Warhol's Frankenstein, also known as Flesh for Frankenstein. Yeah. The trailer is just perfect. I mean, I really want to see the movie based on the trailer. It's just such a really good job with the trailer. Uh, The other one was for Amok, which uh, is a horror film. That had a, a very great trailer. Um, I'm trying to find my notes on it. What I write here? I said, um, oh, it was one of the ones that has like uh, a warning in the opening seconds, which happened a lot. And uh, <laughs> this one was probably the best one where it happened on. Um, you know, and it really worked on me. I just really want to see it. It was like super sexual. There's lesbianism, sadism. I mean, and to top it all off, uh, it has like fake audience members talking about how horrible the film was how graphic the film was <laughs> after the fact like it's just i don't know it was so funny i loved it like definitely one i need to see and um another one that i gave four stars to was as soon as i can oh it's called i've never even heard of this one it's called voyage of the rock aliens it was a sci a sci-fi space opera musical okay well, that just looked incredible <laughs> it's one i have to track down it looks awesome and so those were the ones I gave four stars to. I gave a bunch of three and a halves, but uh, yeah, those are, those are the only ones that got me uh, four stars. So 
Yeah, so I watched two of my four films and all 160 trailers, so I'm really happy about that. So next up, we'll just be watching the two movies. There's no way I'm going to let myself fail just on two from watching two films. You know what I mean? If anything was going to fail, it would have been the trailer. So no, happy yeah, that's that sounds tough. You still have to watch two movies, and Ash has to watch three movies, and <laughs> I, I just have eight more fucking movies to go on DVD. I'm, no, I'm, yeah, I, you have nine, don't you? Because you have. Well, I'm, you at, I'm at twenty-one. So it's like I, I watched twenty films. I got twenty-two to thirty. So. 2015. Nine, yep. Son of a bitch. Yeah, I know. going to add. <laughs> I thought about it after because I initially said eight, and then I was like, oh, nope, I can't do math. Oh, uh, neither can I. But. I need some help. <laughs> mm. All right, so that is send me, our... send me your women. I, I, I need to watch this woman. Uh, it's for science. For science. All right, so that is our CSSC5 updates. So make sure you are following all of us on Twitter because you can follow along with the hashtag CSSC5. All right, so let me move on to the question of the week. So with uh, PlayStation VR coming out at the end of October and we have Oculus coming, um, and so it just looks like there's this upcoming virtual reality trend for gaming. And so I'm just wondering, are you guys excited for this or do you think it's going to be another fad that'll pass quickly? And why do you feel that way? I think they're going to have a hard time marketing it is the hardest thing they're going to have and convincing people to shell out, you know, 400 to a thousand dollars on a, what most people consider a peripheral for, you know, gaming. And I don't know. I think it's just going to, it's going to be a little, it's going to be a hard sell. I think, um, I don't know how Oculus has been selling now or or Vive, um, but I know Oculus has become kind of under fire because Oculus basically considers itself a console. Okay. Uh, even though you have to plug it into a PC to use it, like their their goggles or their helmet or whatever, basically you have to buy the games from them directly. You can't just hook up a Steam game that has VR and do it type of thing. Oh, okay. I, and even then, you know, like the PlayStation one, the PlayStation one's going to be the cost of another PlayStation 4. But but on the other hand, you know, you're talking about high def, you know, glass or, or visuals for your eyes. And they've got two screens and all that other crap, too. Plus, you have to, you know, you have the move and everything else that goes with it because it has to keep track of where you're turning. And yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting I, you say that because my um, coworker, she's she's not a gamer at all, um, at all. And she happened to stumble across the PlayStation VR and she goes, she asked me the other day, she knows I, you know, I'm a gamer. And she's like, hey, have you heard of this PlayStation VR? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, I want to, I want that. I want two of them so I can do multiplayer gaming on it. She's like, I'm going to become a gamer. And I was like, yeah, I don't know. And uh, we were going over the price and everything, but like it didn't seem to phase her. Um, so yeah. I don't know, at least, uh, at least one person who's not a gamer has been, has been interested in it. So for whatever reason, but yeah, I I think I'm not going to if I get it, I'm not jumping in the first, you know, initially. It'll be after it's out for a while and, you know, it's solidified or something along those lines. But Yeah. And what about you, Mark? What are your thoughts on it? Um, well, from a guy who can get sick playing Wolfenstein 3D on his 3D6 computer, uh mm-hmm. I don't think I'm going to be a consumer of VR. I want to I just think my motion sickness is going to be too much. 
Um, okay. Now, I, I love tech. I want to be an early adopter, but I've been burned so bad so many times being an early adopter. If it wasn't for the PlayStation Move, it was for, uh, you know, even just the PS4. You know, the system launched and a year in, still had shitty games. It took at least a good 18 months before some decent games came out for the system. So I don't want to do that anymore. That said, the more I read about the new Nintendo NX... Um, the more I want it, even though nobody's ever seen it yet. Um, I hope it does well. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think I'm going to be uh, thinking about buying one until I uh, see it in act. Well, first of all, I want to test it. Like I, I need to make sure that you know I won't you know puke as soon as I use it, and I want to make sure that uh, it actually gets proper software. Um, uh, a software library so that, you know, if I do spend, you know, 500 bucks on it, that I'm not stuck with three games, you know? Um, right. And, and really, I just want to be able to put the mask on and then just say out loud that I'm in the game, Sydney Bloom. You remember that show, <laughs> VR5 from Fox? No, I can't Fox. say I do. Oh, it's such a great show. Google it. Um <laughs> Yeah, no, I uh, I want it to succeed. I, I want, I'd love to have one, but one, I got to give it time for it to actually build a library, and two, I got to make sure that I can actually use it. So I'm hoping once I go to an EB that they'll have some displays, which I'd be surprised if they didn't, and uh, you know, take it from there. But yeah, I, I won't be running out the door to get it. That said, I said the same thing about the Star Trek or Star Wars uh, The Force Awakens DVD. Or Blu-ray, and then I bought it the following week. So, yep. you know, fuck me. Next this time next week, I probably oh yeah, I put a pre-order on it. You know, um, <laughs> I'm so wishy-washy with money, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I am. You know, I really want to try it. No doubt about that. Um, but you know, and like you said, I love tech. Like that's what I spend my money on. Whether it's media or tech, like that's what I like to spend money on. And so, you know, I really do want to get it, but. Like, you know, exactly like you said, you've, I've been, you know, bitten so many times by being an early adopter. And so for this one, I really feel like I want to wait. I know as it gets closer and, you know, as more titles are announced, that it's going to be a lot more difficult. Um, but the price will hopefully keep me away. Yeah. I'm hoping, you know, wait a few months, maybe the price will drop. Maybe it'll not sell very well at the beginning at that $400 price tag. Um, so I'm hoping for a price drop and for the early kinks to be worked out. And then I'll, I'll, I definitely want to get one at some point. Um, if they had showed gameplay footage from Batman VR, I may have put a pre-order down because I really want to see what they're doing with that. And then there, there was the game that they showed at E3, the first game for the VR. I can't recall the name of it. It basically looked like Halo, but it looked gorgeous. And okay. uh, I think it would be a ton of fun to play via, uh, you know, in virtual reality. But, uh, you know, I still I need to try it. Before oh. I'm completely sold on it, I guess. Okay. Well, okay. Let's pause the podcast for a second here, guys. Between us three, as soon as we see clips of VR porn, you know we're all going to go in, right? They're already <laughs> working on it, right? Are, 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 are we in agreement? Are, they they are already working on internet or uh, VR porn. Okay. Let's, hey, let's let's unpause the podcast now. Yeah. I'm <laughs> so there's some good games out. And then, you know, hopefully uh, there's a Batman VR 2. And that will really get me going on it. Right, absolutely. The platform is only as good as its software, so we need some really good software. (laughs) 
Oh man. And I'm also Are you hoping to find some software that'll turn your, you know, software into hardware? <laughs> is, that, is that what you're doing? Well, I'm hoping there's multiple uh, SD ports. <laughs> because I want to cram it full of gigabytes. <laughs> I, that, that makes no fucking sense. I'm on tour. I had fucking tacos and peanut butter for supper, okay? <laughs> Doesn't make sense. Oh Sounds amazing. Oh my gosh. <laughs> All right. So. Be held. I'm gonna uh, talk about a couple a couple uh, other things I did this week uh, in media. Um, and if you guys have anything else you want to add, feel free. Um, I also, aside from watching all these trailers and uh, watching Fantastic Four and uh, Dead Next Door these past few weeks here, I rented Ratchet and Clank on the PS4 and uh, Dead Island Definitive Collection for Xbox One. And uh, Ratchet and Clank, I could not get into at all. I only played a few minutes of it, and uh, it just it didn't click with me. I turned it off, and I never never went back to it. So, is this a remaster of the first game, or is this a brand new game with no it's numbers? It's kind of like a reboot, almost. Okay. Like it's, well, it's it's the video game based off the movie that's based off the video game. Is how yeah, they were billing like it. Okay. Yeah, yeah it, but instead of being told through ratchet's point of view like the original game was it's being told by the the zap dude the the head of the uh star troopers or whatever the hell he is is it Um, the guy in the the green suit yes oh okay yeah i don't know the game very well so yeah i don't necessarily either um but yeah yeah so dead island i played when it came out on uh, xbox 360 mm-hmm. and there was just something about it i just didn't like it and i think it was the uh the fact that my weapons kept degrading okay. and so i either had to get new weapons or um had to fix them and it just, i just didn't like it the first time i played it but um this time around i really liked it a lot you know i actually went out uh, yesterday and i ended up buying it so i you know i bought it from best buy and with my uh, gamers club unlocked i only ended up paying through 33 bucks for it and you get three full games you get dead island uh dead island whatever the hell the sequel is called and then uh dead island um whatever the hell the third game's called but the third one is like a throwback like 8-bit side scroller action film oh that's cool yeah sean uh sean Matson reviewed it on diehard game fan and uh, he gave it a positive review, so I was like, you know what? Yeah, why not? Thirty-three bucks for three games, and uh, there's just seems to be so damn much to do in the game, yeah. and yeah. it's really gorgeous to look at. They did a great job with the remastering of it. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, this time around, you know, I played it a good amount now. I probably played I don't know an hour up in, and um, I- I'm really enjoying it. Uh, my goal is just to get through the um, get through the main story uh, quests. Mm-hmm. And uh, then move on. I probably won't do any like the side stuff. I don't see foresee myself doing that anyway. But well, I don't see how yeah. much. I, I don't see that you'll have time this month because you still have to watch two more movies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh man! man. Seriously, awesome. I'm gl- I'm glad we're reviewing Saw right now because mm-hmm. I get to watch a Blu-ray. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. Yeah, and the um. Like the the Blu-ray collection, it's not even that great. Like the the picture quality. Oh really? I, See, that's I, what I found. I, I don't like uh, in your in your Blu-ray collection. Yeah. Is there multiple movies per disc? Oh yeah. Uh, oh, disc the- two had saw three, four, and five. Oh wow! And then the final disc has uh, six and seven. Oh, so I probably have better resolution on mine just because it's like the original, like single, just just the movie on it type of thing. So we got yeah. more space for shit. 
and and I'm watching it on my 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 projector, and so if there are any flaws, I pick them up on my projector. Okay, um, because it's so big and so yeah. so you know it, so big you catch all the details. Catch it all. Catch it all. It's so big. <laughs> are you using the VR again? No, hon. I'm I'm, I'm working on my taxes. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, so do you guys remember a few weeks back I told you that I uh, randomly decided that I needed to own the entire Call of Duty franchise on uh, consoles? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I started playing through that series. Okay. And I ended up beating Call of Duty Classic on Xbox Live Arcade. Nice. And that game, it is a damn good game. It reminds me of like old school shooters like GoldenEye or Perfect Dark for N64. Okay. Um, it's just, it's simple, but I don't know. It's still a ton of fun to play. Uh, there's not a lot, there's not story virtually at all. There's some, uh, there's a little bit, I guess, because you have, uh, like when it's loading, there are like messages that your character has written or whatever that kind of lead you to what you're, tell you what you're doing. But is it a really Lincoln letter? Kinda, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> the, the Lincoln letter? That was a, a joke. I, <laughs> I just blur shit out sometimes. <laughs> I got it. It's but, okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was it was a really difficult game, uh, surprisingly, and uh, but I guess that's I always heard that about the original Call of Duty, which I did play, and as I was playing through this, I realized that I played probably a good half, if not more, of the original Call of Duty on PC. Is that based never in the First it. World War or Second World War? World War Two. Yeah, it is a okay. Yeah, wasn't that a um, DreamWorks game? Like, didn't DreamWorks have part of it, or Spielberg had a piece of that? I have no idea. I no, could go to lunch, but for some reason, I think uh, DreamWorks had something to do with that game, the initial game. Really? Yeah. Are you sure Spielberg that wasn't Band of Direct? Brothers? Band of Brothers? No, yeah. no, no, no. Okay. No, the, I, I, I'm pretty sure. Huh. No, were, were, you, were you part of the French Resistance in the first one? Or am I thinking oh, of a man. different shooter? Nah, I don't believe so. No, uh, I think I was Americans. I want to say I was... A Canadian at one point. Damn straight you were. Yeah, and then um, the Soviets. Okay. I don't think there was French. I don't recall any French accents because everything like had uh, an accent. I'm being Medal of Honor. Oh, That's okay. It. Yeah. Okay. It's Medal of Honor that was. Uh, yeah, it's, uh, the first game was developed by DreamWorks Interactive and published by Electronic Arts. There we go. Oh. Yeah. My bad. Yeah, but if you guys, uh, you know, if you're a fan of shooters, especially old school shooters, I definitely recommend checking it out on Xbox Live Arcade. But uh, so next is either going to be, I guess it technically should be Call of Duty Finest Hour on PS2, but I'm not sure if I'm just going to skip that one and move to uh, Call of Duty 2 on Xbox 360 or actually play through. There's actually three PS2 outings, so I'm not sure I'm going to play through all those yet or well, not. That but. first game sounds pretty short. The first game? Yeah, uh, the Finest Hour. Doesn't seem like it's a long game. <laughs> <laughs> Shut up, you like it. <laughs> I'm sorry. So, towards sleep, peanut butter tacos. <laughs> so, real quick before before I move on, um, I got to talk about the summer of Scream sale on Scream Factory. Yes. I mentioned this a little bit in my um, unboxing video for June's horror box or horror pack, rather. But uh, I ended up buying some more. So, so far. I've gotten a good number of, of things, and I just received one of them today. But um, I got the Serpent and the Rainbow for 19 bucks, Hellions for 6 bucks, Over Your Dead Body for 5 Village of the Damned, uh, Collector's Edition for 21 
the Larry Fessenden collection for forty five mm-hmm. after shipping and everything, and I that's the one I just received today, and it's gorgeous. Oh, um, I got my what's notification. What's funny about it? Oh, go ahead. Is on the back it lists all these special features, and then there's like a sticker that says updated content description, and it says deleted se- for no telling is yeah. one of the films. It says deleted scenes do not appear, and then correct here for the short for film white trash is 1979. It's listed as 1997 on the box. And then Wendigo, archival footage does not appear because it's listed as one of the special features. That's and I'm weird. just like, that's random. So they must have made a mistake when they printed the back of the box. And uh, that, a, they couldn't a, get their rights to this to the footage. So uh, right. you know, here's his autograph. It's signed. You know? <laughs> yeah. I, I, um, I do think, though, you kind of overpaid for Hillians. It's such a horrible movie. Oh, Really? You don't like it? I did not like bucks? it at all. I, I I wouldn't give it to my unborn child. I don't know what that means. Does it mean anything even? Does that make any sense? I don't think so. I don't think uh, so. But where's causes Mandela when you need him? I know. We'll, we'll get to him in just a second. He's, he's oh. swelling somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> <I'm sure>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I picked up Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2, which I was actually saying earlier in, in the during the sale. I was like, oh, man, I really hope this is released. I actually mentioned that on the on the unboxing video as well. And fortunately it was our part of the sale. So I got that for 18 bucks. Um, I picked up blood sucking bastards for seven. I uh, picked up the food of the gods and frogs double feature for 14 Murder- murders in the room morgue and the Dunwich horror double feature for 14 and zombie fight club for five bucks. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because of you, I picked up the Fedison collection. I also picked yeah. up uh, the rotor millennium blu-ray. Okay. Yeah, I was toying whether or not to go back and f- I was going back and forth on that one whether to pick it up or not, but I ended up. Well, not. Rotor has pretty badass poster art, and I've already okay. seen Millennium. I remember watching that decades ago on VHS mm-hmm. with Chris Christopherson and the chick with the blonde hair. Um, so I had to pick that up as well, and I got an email today saying it's already been shipped at my post office box in the states. So I'm just waiting for an Amazon order now to come in, and then I'm gonna go to this and uh, pick up my toys. I'm very awesome. excited for that. So excellent. So that was my week. Uh, did you guys have anything else you wanted to add for um, your week here that you didn't get to talk about earlier on? Well, pretty much, you know, the only thing I did apart from my uh, challenge of watching 30 movies um, is uh, just watching Conjuring 2 last night, which I okay. adored. And I like Patrick Wilson to begin with. I've always been a fan of his. Me too. And, uh, he was awesome again in Conjuring 2, and so was uh, Vera Farminga. Um, and I thought the movie, you know what, the movie felt a little long to me, but at the same time, I wasn't bored by it. I guess I was looking at my clock, at my watch a bit, uh, just because, you know, I had to go to bed because I had to work this morning. Right. Um, but I liked that we had a pretty much a good 45 minutes to an hour before the Warrens meet up with that English family. Yeah. I love the the build of the English family. It made you mm-hmm. care about the characters and the kids. And I I, I love that. Give me a slow burn any day, you know? Um, I thought the special effects were awesome. Um, I thought the demon was awesome. Um, yeah. Yes. It, like, and, and apparently she's having a spinoff, a spinoff movie now, kind of like how Annabelle did. Um, cool. And I watched this in a theater full of people, which, man, I miss doing because a lot of girls screamed during this movie and I just <laughs> chuckled 
And I'm like, this is awesome. So yeah. I'd be one of the girls. <laughs> well, you know what, oh, it, got, it got me a couple times. I, <laughs> I scared the shit out of me in a couple different points. Even like one of the scenes that they showed in the trailer, like that one got me again, even though I knew it was coming. It was just like, mm-hmm. oh shit. Yeah, I, I don't scream, but maybe my, my, my feet jump a bit off the floor, you know, How because I have really work? bouncy ankles, so they bounce, you know. <laughs> um, I'm always ready to, you know, if I have to fight, I'm already in stance, you know, I'm already bouncing on my toes. Um, but yeah, cool film. Uh, if you like The Conjuring, you're going to love Conjuring too. I still haven't seen Annabelle yet, so I can't really comment on that. Uh, it but, wasn't uh, as good. But it doesn't have anything. It, it doesn't have anything to do with the Warrens, you know, because it's kind of yeah. like them before that. So, mm-hmm. and it's not terrible, but it wasn't great. It was just kind of. Eh. Well, I'm I'm still finishing my terminal book by Brian Keane, but one of the next books I want to pick up, I checked on Amazon today, and the Warrens have a whole bunch of books. Now, are they all like? I'm hoping there are more case files from what they worked on. It could be just bullshit, scary stories. I don't know, but I want to check them out. Interesting. Yeah, definitely let me know what you pick up. I'd be interested to hear how that is. I'll Instagram it. Excellent. So what about you, Ash? Anything else to add or should we move on to Saw 5? Uh, no, we covered everything I got. Perfect. So let's move on to Saw 5 from 2008. And as always, there will be spoilers for Saw 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5. So if you've not seen those, pause the podcast, go enjoy those five films, and come back and well, hit play once again. Try, Please. try to enjoy those five. Films. Yeah, yes, try. All right. So, Saw Five from 08, directed by David Hackle, who was actually the the. Actu- okay, let me try that again. Actually, the production designer for Saw Two, Saw Three, and Saw Four. Mm-hmm. So he does have a history with the film. Uh, and this one was again written by Patrick Melton and Mark and Marcus Dunstan from Saw Four. Who and you can and, uh, tell through the clock. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, it has an IMDb score of 5.8 out of 87,513 votes, a Metascore, Metacritic score of 20, a tomato meter of 12%, which is the lowest score to date for the series, and an audience score of 52%. It had a budget of $10.8 million and a gross of over $56.7 million, or $6 million less than Saw 4. All right. So, so we pick up. Go ahead. Yeah, I just want to say I've watched the movie twice. Uh, yeah. since uh, last time we recorded. Um, and I, I listened, uh, again, on my Blu-ray, I had two uh, commentaries on it, uh, one by David Heckel and his assistant, and then one by four of the producers. So I listened to that one this time. I wanted to get the producer's take on it. Yeah. Um, a few tidbits, nothing in- super interesting. Okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, no, I... Uh, okay, let's talk about the movie. I'll see what you guys think about it. I'm curious. Well, what was your history? Have you seen this just once before this, or have you seen it a couple times? Uh, yeah, I, I, I watched it once for sure because it was already uh, an op- it was, my, my Blu-ray was open. Okay. Um, I think I just watched it on Blu-ray. I don't recall watching this in the theaters. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely didn't watch this in theaters. I remember this was one I watched when my now wife and I first started dating. Nice. Where she had this obnoxiously like room up in the – it was literally the attic – and uh, I remember watching it up there in this tiny, tiny, like, I don't even know, 12-inch TV, something that was small. And uh, that was the only time I saw it. And I remember hating it, absolutely hating it the first time I saw it. And I have not watched it since until I, I, yesterday. So I have a question. So this this attic of yours, right? <laughs> yeah. Did the door lock? Were you able to lock the door or did you have to leave it open at all times because it was very poor ventilation? 
You know, you was it really leave warm it up there? Was it really warm in the attic? <laughs> Were there any flowers in the attic? <laughs> I just watched that not too long ago. Yeah, I've never seen it. <laughs> I think I read yeah, the book. But, yeah. yeah. I didn't hate it, but it was weird as hell. Did you like it more than Saw 5? We'll soon find out. We will. Yes. We will. What about you, Ash? What's your history with this one? This is actually the first time I have seen this one because I gave up on the oh. series after the fourth film. Ah, okay. Interesting. That's a twist I didn't see coming. Unlike the end of this film. <laughs> 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 so. <laughs> All right. So let's see. What does this start? So this, it started out pretty promising to me. This first trap I, I thought was already better than any of the traps from Saw 4. It was just nauseating. Um, and as I'm writing this, as I'm reading this, I literally cannot remember what the fuck the trap was. Somebody refresh me. Funny, um, I was saying the same thing. I'm like, refresh me because I, I have notes on it. I don't know what it is. It's the oh. crush my hands so the guillotine oh, yes. doesn't cut oh, me in half. You. The pit in the pendulum <laughs> trap. Yes. Oh, perfect. Yeah, I really like that one. Me too. Obviously, it's not a. It's not even a jigsaw trap. It has nothing to do with jigsaw. It's a copycat trap, really. We don't know that yet. Exactly, we don't know that at the time. The only but problem that's what it turns out to be. The only problem with the trap for me is that the pendulum. He didn't use tempered steel. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it was it, inferior. Yeah, it, it would, it would have had a, a better edge with tempered steel. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Look at you learning. You're learning. Good I'm for paying you. attention, boss. <laughs> Oh man, yeah. But I thought that was uh, just a, one of the one of the better traps, oh. especially since Saw Four. Heck yeah, man! Between getting your hands pulverized mm -hmm. and then having your belly sliced open, right? Oh, that's cool the way visual. like the the effects were going, like they had literally like pieces of skin and intestine just like flying out a little bit as the blade kept getting lower. I ah. Yeah. Oh. It, and it didn't pull away like it. You were watching this happen. It was gross. Yeah, the movie started off really, really strong. Mm -hmm. And according to the producers, that was the whole point of this film: is to start strong, finish strong, and then just have an interesting middle. That's huh. what they actually said in okay. the uh, in the commentary. That they didn't want to confuse the fans with the middle, like they didn't four because they thought four was very confusing. Um, I didn't. No, four uh, wasn't confusing. Yeah, four just fucking sucked. Yes, agreed. Um, so <laughs> they wanted to uh, upgrade five by making the middle not as not as an uh, not as confusing. Um, the, I, the only way four's middle is confusing is if you don't get the fact that you're watching, like if you don't get the fact that it's being bookended by now, and yet you're in a flashback. That's the only way I feel like that could be confusing. Well, it could be confusing as well if you don't give a fuck about Riggs' plight and you just fall asleep and you wake up wow. 30 minutes later saying, hey, who's this guy? <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's the only way it could be confusing because I didn't think it was confusing. It was just boring. Okay, fair enough. Yeah. But this one, this one, I like this one for some okay. perverse reason. Oh. Watching okay. this movie... I hated it the first time I saw it because I remember like I just hate watching Saw five to five to to seven, mm -hmm. and rewatching this Monday night after we recorded, yeah, I was so into it. Well, that's because you were ready to stroke Mandalore's dick. So anything you would have watched with him in it at that point after your whiskey, you would have been all about. 
I would have gone gloves on because <laughs> I don't want to leave any smudges on perfection. <laughs> and stop laughing at the fist of the North Star causes Mandalore. He does not deserve it. You know what? I'll I'll admit that he is an infinitely better actor than I gave him credit for coming into this. I right? thought there's a scene when he gets uh, when he meets Jigsaw when Jigsaw gets him mm-hmm. and when when John pulls the trigger and he thinks he's dead like that moment I thought was, and it was just like the fuck you fuck you he says it twice and I thought that was just perfect yeah I thought he did a very good job here so you know I apologize for my my Mandalore hate coming into this because he he really but impressed me he was me. terrible in the fourth one. You watch uh, your I'm, fucking mouth. He would. <laughs> <laughs> and the I, FBI I agent was fucking terrible. And the FBI agent was terrible. I don't think Mandalore was. Well, no, in, in four, he was terrible. This yeah. one, they they're both a little better. I will give them that. Ah, see, I, I, I don't still know. don't I like the FBI agent, but and that's I what, hated him less like, than in Saw Four. So the yeah. movie starts off strong, yes. and then what do they do? <laughs> they they introduce the fact that the main character in this one is going to be Strom. I, I, like that's a good recipe for success. Take the most unlikable character from Saw Four, yeah. and let's make him the lead of Saw Five. I mean, are you fucking kidding me? Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> that and, was a horrible decision. And something I might not agree with is how Saw Three is happening at the same time as Saw Four. Mm-hmm. And Saw 5 is just after the end of 4. Like, Jigsaw already wants yep. um, him to, or Hoffman to do another, he's already got another trap set for another five people. Like, geez, don't you want to take a breather between fucking challenges? You know? It's like, uh, how many of these did he line, have lined up at once? You know? Right. And all in one building, yeah. right? That was, that was the thing. It, it, it starts to stretch believability i mean come on it's just kind of like oh my god really yeah like i i don't think like i think one of the reasons why hoppin's so pissed off is he didn't have time for breakfast he's too busy (laughs) abducting people left and right you know Uh, um yeah i just i just thought right now they're just packing way too much in a short time frame but we we do discover something right off the bat though um because we were talking about this last week the little girl does survive yeah, yeah, that's gonna write. I wrote that down. I was like, Mark's gonna be ecstatic. The little girl's alive. I was it's so still. I'm still <laughs> pissed about the end of Saw Four, though, uh, or, or even just Saw Four in general, because we didn't get anything with the dad. It was just, yeah. it was stupid. Um, what do you mean we didn't get anything with the dad? What do you mean which dad? The the little girl's the dad. Little girl? Yeah. Well, we spent an entire film with him in Saw Three. I don't think we needed anything more, did we? <sighs> I would have rather have watched him throughout Saw Four than the FBI agent and 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 the cop. Well, yeah, but he, okay, so he, we we watched his entire story to Saw End of Saw Three, and then in Saw Four we see his story only lasted another two minutes because he got shot. Oh well, yeah, because they're shitty writers. Well, <laughs> yeah. Okay. Fine. Fine, Ash. Fine. <laughs> but and you, you know what's funny? Uh, because, again, I only had watched Saw, I think, uh, Saw 5 once before we're revisiting this. Yeah. And I'm kind of happy now we are revisiting this. 
because I'm getting so many more layers of enjoyment out of this than I oh. never did the first time I watched these movies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm actually having lots of fun with this now. Uh, yeah, it's a hell of a lot different watching it year with a year break in between, you know, as opposed to a week at most, you know. And I think it, you know, it holds up better this way than probably otherwise, because that's actually you know, one of the things I wrote at the end of my concluding thoughts for this one is that this feels like kind of a episode in like a twenty episode or a twenty, yeah, one episode in the middle of a twenty episode television series. Yeah, just really long. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like a full length, you know, standalone film. I think that's one of its flaws. Well, the thing is at this point now too, because, you know, they're spending 10 million to make 80 million. Mm -hmm. So each movie, you know, I think from like three on, um, they're they're putting um, uh, red herrings and they're putting little secrets that will be revealed in the next one. Like when uh, Jill Tuck goes to the the attorney's office and gets Mm -hmm. the box from and yeah. opens it with the key that was given to her in Saw Four, mm-hmm. and like the uh, the producer, like yeah, we did this on purpose so that she gets whatever's in the box revealed in Saw Six. You know, that's what I'm saying. Like, so they're making these movies like episodic, uh, like a long episodic miniseries. You know, yeah, exactly. Strange, yeah, because it's a movie franchise. Do I mind so much at this point? No, because I find my tastes are more refined now and more mature as a moviegoer. Um, so I can greatly appreciate the uh, intricacies that uh, the uh, director and producers have laid down for me. <laughs> I think oh. that I th- personally, I think that the producers and the writers think that they're smarter than they actually are. And, and they <laughs> fail miserably at, at, at yeah. producing something that's actually like interesting. That makes me want to watch the next one. Yeah. I feel like I'm kind of in between you two at this point. <laughs> See, and because now I kind of want to kiss the feet of the uh, film's um, uh, casting agent for casting Costas Mandalore as Detective <laughs> Hoffman, Savior of All Saviors. Um, I don't care if they're dirty. I'll kiss them anyways. Dirty, clean. <laughs> Just throw that out there. I'll bite the nails off too if you want me to. Oh, my God. <laughs> So at one point we see that we get the pig mask again. And that that pig mask, it never gets less creepy to me. I think it's one of the best masks like in any horror franchise that I can think of. I love it so well, much. It's like the it's like the Michael Myers mask. Um it gets better and better with every which every film. Yeah. Like now it looks like if you look at the the the, the pig mask when like the first one or two films, like eh, whatever. Now it looks pretty badass. Now because it's been resculpted and it's been refined, you know? So I think it looks a lot more menacing now. Um, the shot. So when we get Strom's trap, which I thought honestly was, was pretty cool the way he did it, how he stuck the pen through his neck. I really like that. Yes. Um, but the shot leading up to it, how it's, he's in the background, but it's all black and all we see is the box with his head and then it kind of zooms into it. What an awesome shot. It's too bad. The rest of the film didn't have anything as, uh, striking as that. Cause I thought that was a really cool moment. <laughs> I thought so too. And it's a scary scene. Because I have a fear of drowning. Oh, I'm not okay. going to drown. I'm pretty buoyant. But I just think the actual act of drowning would be one of the worst feelings to have. But that said, I'd rather drown than burn. So whatever. Anything with yeah. natural elements, I guess I just don't like. Um, but, and you know, like, would I have the, the, the mindset to actually stab my neck to, you know, to have the water flow out? Like, I thought I was really, really smart. And apparently the uh, the actor, I think it's Scott Peterson, uh, he actually um, 
spend time in the trap. Like it wasn't any trickery or anything like that. Right. Yeah. Uh, he had to get wet. Uh, but mm. apparently one of the sides of the trap was on a magnet. So as soon oh, as he okay. had enough, uh, he would, I guess, you know, just wave and then uh, the magnets would unclench and the, I guess, front of the mask would just uh, spill open. So it was never in really any trouble of getting, uh, of, uh, of drowning. But uh, yeah, he did his own stunt in this scene, which kudos to him. It looked really good. Um, so I was kind of harsh on Jill, right? Jill's uh, John's wife. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was kind of harsh on her the last one. I didn't really like her, but I thought she did a really good job here. Um, again, the moment, there's just a moment where it's like, yes, that was really well acted. And it, I thought it was when um, John left the tape for her. And she was watching the tape, just her reaction to it and how she, like the emotions that she was going through just seemed really realistic. And I thought she did a really great job there. And so it uh, just upped my opinion of her altogether, even though I think she's, I'm, I was surprisingly, un, surprisingly underused in this film, but I think, you know, that pays off in, in the upcoming one. Yeah. I believe I she's got a much bigger role in number six. Yeah. If I, if I do recall, uh, I believe she's got a much bigger role in the next one. So it turned out that Perez was not dead, I guess, in Saw 4, but it looks like she died here. That was a question that yeah, we had Yeah, she last died time. from the, her wounds in the hospital, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so technically, it, it, you know, she did die, like, she got killed, yeah, no. you know? Right, yeah. Um, just, it was, it was a slow one. Yeah, absolutely. Which is too bad. I don't know why maybe the actress didn't want to, you know, be in the next film or not. Maybe she had a better gig. But it's it's too bad because she, it looks superficial. And for her to come to it, it's like, huh, you know, now now what does uh, the other FBI guy has? He's got nothing. Right, now it's just all about getting, you know, Hoffman. Yeah, especially in a film where you have your main character, Jigsaw, talking about how amazing the human body is, how resilient the human body is. And she dies from her flesh wounds, it looked like. Well, if if one of those chunks hit her in the throat, though, or that gas that came out after, yeah. you could have been poisoned, too. Who knows? I thought Strom sounded so damn funny when he was yelling at Hoffman in the hospital because his, his voice was fucked up from the trap, which which makes sense continuity-wise, but yeah. I still thought it was hilarious. Um, and then another moment where I thought Mandalore did really aw- was awesome is when uh, he says to, ha- um, to Strom, he's like, no, unless you've got something else to say, back the fuck off. And it was so just intimidating. I thought it was really well done. So I... I feel like I've succumbed to Mark's love for for Mandalore. Right. <laughs> oh my god. Yes. Yes. Join the cult. Look at the cult cats. of man. The cult of Costas. Oh, I'm I'm uh, a disciple of the Mandalore. The Costa cult. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm telling you, it gets better and better. I'm so happy there's still two more movies after this. I just I I said as soon as he said this line, I just said it out loud. Oh my god, Strom. Leave Jill alone because he fucking like the first thing he says to his boss or one of the first like requests he makes to his boss is that he wants to speak with Jill one more time. I, why? Why the fuck do you want to speak with her again? Oh, and who's his boss? Uh, the dude from Alien. Exactly. It's Drake from Aliens. Yep. So oh, better, no shit. I didn't yeah. even catch that. Yep. Yeah. Drake from Aliens. Yep. I was pretty pumped when I saw that, even though he's got the, the mustache. Uh, actor's name is Mark Rolston. Uh, okay. You know, uh, he's, he's one of those guys that you might not know his name, but you see him in almost everything, you know? Mm-hmm. 
But yeah, I was I had forgotten he was in the series, so I was kind of was like, yeah, it's Drake. I so, had to look it up because the I couldn't figure it out with the mustache. <laughs> uh, well, just that's like I, I know funny. who this guy is. Right? <laughs> yeah, if he didn't have that pencil thin mustache, uh, you would have noticed right away. Yeah. But I think it's funny he had that Bluetooth headset in his ear all the yeah. time. Like, <laughs> I know all the time. So, uh, so next we meet that. Um, that gr- the group of five, yeah, and uh, you know the first thing I noticed was how obnoxious and annoying the young guy was in the group. I don't know his his name, but uh, that's he, uh, he was dragon. Malik. Yeah, Malik um, was that it? Yeah, and uh, the the actor's name is Greg uh, Birk uh, B R Y K. He's a Winnipegger. I'm just saying. Oh, okay. He's been in something else. He's been in a couple other things, hasn't he? He seems yeah. Familiar. He's like a journeyman actor. Uh, he was in uh, Immortals. Uh, he was in History of Violence. Yeah. Uh, he was in yeah. Shoot 'Em Up. But uh, uh, okay, he, that's probably where I remember him from. He's got seventy-two actor credits, but oh, I wow. think they're more. Oh, I, I don't recognize a lot of the stuff he's in. Yeah, you know. So I, you know, I'm sure he's a fine actor. Yeah, he, you know, clearly has to have something going for him. But he, he, frankly, he was just terrible in this film. I, you know, it could have been the writing. It could have been a mix of him. I, and I'm the blaming the writing, know, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, Ash is a hater. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I'm just surprised he he uh, he lasted as far as he did. I was pissed he lasted as far as. Why the fuck were these people? killing the people around him like what what was it about him that was like yes i want to spend more time with this junky asshole who admitted to murdering people why why you know what i just i didn't get it it's because hey i could probably take on this junky asshole in the final challenge if i have to they're playing this yeah. like survivor where everybody gets knocked off once at one at yeah, a time they were would you rather have a a strong journalist guy or would you want to have a junkie in the final two? You know what I mean? Who's going to get the most votes? That's pre- that, that's how I saw it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, I guess the funny thing sense. is, you know, uh, they didn't even bother trying to think about saving each other. The first thing they get, well, one of us has to die. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I Honestly, I was surprised that it was the white blonde chick. She was the first person to die. I know. Now, maybe that's just my my stereotypical horror self. I don't know. But I was genuinely shocked by that. Well, to me, that's the that's the Julie Benz character. But Julie Benz had brown hair and this blonde had blonde hair. You know, it's like we had yeah. two Julie Benzes in this in this final five. So obviously the blonde <laughs> had to go because we are not used to seeing Julie Benz as a brunette. <laughs> that's pretty much my take on it. And I have to admit, I kind of poo-pooed her performance. Uh, in the last podcast about this yeah. movie, she really wasn't that bad in this one. No, she wasn't. No, she, was she, she was a strong, powerful woman, and uh, I kind of liked it. Um, like two, in there for two minutes, she did. She did fine for her two minutes, and that was that. I thought she did pretty good. Um, I have a few qualms about like so they were knocking each other out right as the as the traps progressed. I'm thinking during the second one with the bomb and the keys and and the pipes to, to hide in. I'm thinking there's enough room for two people in in these pipes. Why is it one person per pipe? You know, because like never did it, never did they say it was like you know you have to knock somebody out. You right. know, um, so it's like it was like during the second trap. I'm thinking 
there's something not right here because there's room for everybody to survive that. You know, oh, you're absolutely right. I thought that I I wrote that down. Same thing. I was like, these pipes are huge. You could fit two people in each of these with no problem at all. Yeah. And then obviously that gets explained later on. Yeah, exactly. But yeah, I thought the same thing. So I I was glad it was explained because I was annoyed for like the first you know yeah forty five minutes or sixty minutes, however the hell long it was, until they yep. finally explained it away. But Lay down. yeah, and, and one more thing, I just I thought was kind of weird. So the reason uh, Detective Hoffman goes down his path is because his sister gets killed by her boyfriend, ex-boyfriend, whatever, right? He's a cop. She is the sister of a cop. And that guy's dating her. You know, the guy who's in the pendulum, like who's all tatted up. Almost like kind of almost Nazi-ish tattoos. He's got like the two SS's. Oh, he might have gotten those in prison though too. That's true. Ah, okay. Never thought of that. But I'm thinking the guy's a dirtbag. As if right. cop brother is not gonna say something to to sister. You know, you know what I mean. I'm like, yeah. how how can he let this let them? Not that he's, he's you know he's like oh you can't do this. But I'm like, don't you think his one his sister would have better taste, and two, him being a cop would deter the scumbag from dating a cop sister. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's that's the one thing that kind of bugged me a bit. Like he's a scumbag. Yeah. But yeah, the scumbag is dating your sister. Right. I don't know. I, I just thought that was kind of out of place for me. Hmm. But, I, honestly, I didn't even I didn't even think about it, to be honest with you. It yeah. didn't strike me at all. Well, again, I'm nitpicking. I don't want to nitpick yeah. a, a movie that stars Costas Mandalore. Um, I feel bad <laughs> doing it now. Um, but it's just something that, that popped into my head while watching the film. Fair enough. Yeah. And I'm glad Costas Mandalore got his revenge. <laughs> uh speaking of nitpicking so yes. strom i fucking i hate this character i thought <laughs> god i fucking hate him but anyway so you know he sneaks all the way back in he leaves his house he's hurt he sneaks all the way back into this fbi headquarters yeah you can sneak in there i guess he he gets into his office he gets on the computer he does one search he pulls up something types in um hoffman's name and then it comes back, no search results. And then <sighs> he's like defeated. <laughs> I was like, are you kidding me? You did all that work to walk to your computer, type in a name, hit enter, wait literally two seconds. And that was it. That, w- that was your extent of, of what you were going to do here tonight. Yeah. I'm like, what a fucking idiot. And then obviously a couple seconds later, he, he gets the idea to go look for something else. But I was like, really i just i fucking hate the character and i'm like annoyed that we had to spend so much time with him and that was just one of those nitpicky things that bugged the hell out of me well okay one more nitpicky thing yeah. and again i apologize to causes mandalore because this is his movie. To us, so. um it's when they're tracing strom's cell phone oh yep N- no I know exactly you're gonna say go ahead no police agency can track a cell phone like that they're fbi it doesn't matter. You still yeah, have to I go know. through the cell phone provider who has to check their tower records. Like, well, two things bug me. One, the girl who is the, I guess, assistant to, um, uh, to, um, uh, Mark Rolson, then, uh, I guess, I guess Strom's boss, right? Yeah. She seemed oddly too hot. <laughs> it, it, it's, she seemed out of place and her acting oh. was really like, Terrible, cheesy, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, I did not like her at all in the role of the assistant, even though it's minimal. She just sounded way too wooden, way, way too stiff. It's like, right away, sir, yes, sir. Like, okay, are you 
it just didn't seem right, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so there's that. And then the fact that she's able to trace a cell phone to within a fucking few feet from the building was like, okay, that's bullshit. In real life, that doesn't happen. We don't have the technology for that, right. unfortunately. Um, but yeah, that 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 kind of bugged me a bit, just because I've traced cell phones before, and it's not that easy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it requires forms. You got to fax. It's it's yeah. You can't do it at your desk where you write memos <laughs> and emails and play solitaire. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a movie. So, I know, but you know. but but. Not, I feel like what I'm about to talk about is not even nipping. It just it bothered me so much, and it's like the entirety of the fucking film. Strom, yes. All, how how is he connecting these dots? All he's doing Crayola. is visiting <laughs> these scenes again. Yeah. And then we, as an audience, are seeing a flashback, and then all of a sudden he's like, oh. You were working with them. It's like, how the fuck do you know? You didn't just watch the goddamn flashback like we watched. I just, I don't get maybe he's how psychic. he was connecting all this, I, right? And then he, <laughs> oh, he then he overturns the gurney that uh, you know Jigsaw was in in the third movie. Yeah, like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah. Um, I think his rage is fueling him, and he's and he's grasping at straws, and in his mind they work, but we know that they're he's right. You know, fucking horrible writing is what it is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I thought I. Oh god, that, that's that bugged me. every single time he was like, "Oh, this is what happened." I'm like, "You, you have no way of knowing that. There is nothing that has just happened that would make you fucking know that." Stop saying it, like you asshole. I hate you, Strom. I hate you. Yeah, go back to Gilmore Girls or something, he's, right? He's like, <laughs> I had to see it now. I can just see it now. Brandon is like the. The six-fingered man and the princess bride. And my name is Inigo Montoya. <laughs> Stop saying that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, he was connecting the dots with a pretty thick marker. <laughs> he sure was. Again, the writers think oh. that they're smarter than they really are. They, they oh. just, they, yeah. How was, how was John's frail ass able to drag the gigantic Costas Mandalore from the elevator all the way to his lair? He wasn't that frail yet. No, he, he, he had a full head of hair. He had, uh, he had glasses. Yeah, and they do make note of that, that his hair, uh, they kind of show that he's not as frail because he has hair there. But a couple scenes later when they're doing the flashbacks, he doesn't have hair. So yeah. I'll give him that. But, he, he, but you're, still, you're right I mean, though. He, Costas Mandalore is a much bigger guy. Yeah. How was he able to not be seen and drag him back to the lair? Uh, same way that Strom can figure point A to point B. Movie yeah. magic. Exactly. You know? Um, but you know what? And in, in getting back to our five contestants in yeah. these challenges, I kind of dug the story with between them. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Like, you talked about how you hated Rig, but you were interested in the Jigsaw storyline and so forth. Yes. I was most interested in these five. Five, yeah, they that was More I think that was the biggest problem with this movie was we should have just dropped the Costas Mandalore. I it, well, not necessarily drop you the watch pl- your mouth. No, I'm not no, saying drop his Mark's whole plot line, mad. but we didn't need the FBI agent at all. Your <laughs> because literally all he did was say, "Oh, this is how this happened." When he, we didn't need it because we just saw the flashback, and like that's all he did. Yeah, and, and he's there for the twist at the end. Oh, yay! But but at the same time, like we're watching this movie through the eyes of Agent Strong, like we're following him. Like 
Costas is a is a is a is a or pardon me, Mark Hoffman is a um, subject in his narration, but this is yeah. all Strom's movie. You know, but we're see, but we're not really watching it through his eyes because Strom doesn't can't see these flashbacks. All he's doing is going from place to place, and then because he's there, we you know the flashback it prompts or whatever you know it prompts the flashback, and well, so that's I think my one of my biggest problems is that yes we are the story is supposed to be going through his eyes, but the writers aren't strong enough to make that work and make that actually have like a, a, a co cohesive story. But maybe at the same time, because detective work can be tedious and boring on the big screen that yeah. we're watching the flashback as he's discovering clues at the crime scene and he's piecing them you're, together. So we're being awfully fucking friendly to these writers. I mean, you're right, but I think there is a, there is a happy medium there somewhere that this film misses entirely. It's not a perfect film. <laughs> you know, um, I can't believe I'm defending Saw Five. It's, 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 it's such I, a good job of it too. That's what kills me. I I feel kind of numb. I, maybe maybe I just drank some angel dust. I don't know. But I, yeah, I, I was willing to let things slide uh, with this movie. Right. I I don't know what it is. Maybe you know after three sequels, um, you know the fourth one gets a little bit of slack. <laughs> <You know? laughs> oh man uh, i'm afraid i'm gonna love saw six so much i'm gonna jerk off to saw seven i don't know <laughs> i don't know what i'm gonna do please don't oh god are we are we doing a video podcast for saw seven because not now oh <laughs> sorry folks <laughs> if you want to see a video podcast for saw seven please uh, call us at our uh on our hotline um, you know what? I forgot. We do have a number set up that I completely forgot about. We'll have to talk about that at the end here. Yes, yes. But, Call but, in. Let let us know how good Cottis Mandalore is. Yeah. <laughs> Join our church. Uh, Join our church. Drink our uh, punch. Your, uh, your church. Uh, I, I refuse. I refuse uh, to. Ash is a heathen. You say so now. Yes, I will cast you. <laughs> <laughs> I, I refuse to eat the bread. Or drink the blood of Costas Mandalore. I'm sorry. Bread is so good. We'll make cinnamon buns with this. Um, So one thing I liked is that we went all the way back to the original Saw film and saw how Hoffman worked with Jigsaw to get the victims and everything. Mm -hmm. You know, at first, I thought that was pretty cool. But then as we got more and more of it, it just became less cool and more boring. It's like I... I like that we know how Hoffman helped, but I don't think we needed nearly as much detail behind Hoffman helping. I like knowing that he did, but I don't really care all these details. I feel like just knowing he helped was enough. What did you guys think about that? The way I see it is that he turned a cop from being a protector of the law to a a vigilante in a way, Mm -hmm. you know, branding his own justice. Blackmail them. I find it uh, blackmail. Yes, but at the same time, you know, he he killed he killed the skeezy boyfriend, and mm-hmm. I think he liked being his own executioner. You know, mm-hmm. um, especially so, in so, situation. So I don't personal. I don't mind seeing the character go from being you know uh, a, a good cop to a bit of a shady cop. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I, I kind of again I didn't mind the background story on this like I I, yeah. I want more at this point like honestly really? 
Yeah, like when he, when the flashback was when it was him and uh, Jigsaw attacking um, the uh, the large guy who was in the uh, razor wire. Uh, his name yep. is was Paul he, Mike Butters, who was actually a hockey player out of Detroit. Um, what? Yeah, yeah, he used to play hockey in Detroit. Was it a few pounds ago, or a few pounds ago? Yeah. Okay. Um, but uh, I liked like. You know, that was a big guy. And, you know, how was he in them race bar in the first place? Well, this is how you did it, you know. Um, and I was kind of surprised that it was actually Jigsaw being one of the two. I thought yeah, it would be Amanda too. and uh, Costas Mandler. No, see, I like that. I just, I felt like it got too detailed and got too long in those flashbacks. That's what I, yeah. I, I like the idea that it's a good top turn and bad, you know, things like that. But I got it a lot quicker than the writers thought I would get it is kind of how I felt about it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But see, and that's the thing is like the first Saw film didn't treat their audience like idiots. Uh, yeah, this one holds your hand too much, a- and they've gotten progressively worse with it as they go. Yeah, I, I think you're right there. Yeah, I think I at this point it's less about the story and more about how cool the traps are. Yeah. Oh well. I think there's no doubt about you know, that. I mean, you have your fucking production designer directing your film. I think. Yeah. You know, I think that pretty much says it there, you know? Like, I'm yeah. trying to think. What was. Oh, okay, okay. So, okay. So, speaking about traps, yeah. that third trap with the electricity. Oh, yeah. That was pretty cool. Yes. I liked it. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. I, I enjoyed that. I didn't enjoy it as much as the last trap. That was pretty yeah, scary. Ah, oh, and then after it was done. When he's laying on the ground with his arm, like, cut in half. Yeah. Oh, my God. The effects there were amazing. It looked so great. It was disgusting. Now, I have a question. Would you keep slicing down your arm? I, I you think he was passing you? out. I think that oh. was the problem. I think he oh. he's, A, he's a druggie to begin with. I think he was going, yeah. he's going through withdrawal. Yeah, but, he's going through withdrawals the whole time. Yeah. And I think he started, and then, like, he, the... His legs gave combination away pain and everything else. The, yeah, he gave out and he just started sliding up his arm because hers wasn't that bad. No, yeah, that's what I know. They never really showed hers. No, you didn't. No, you know she was cut by yeah. the way she acted uh, when um, she gets found uh, by uh, by uh, by Drake. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, his, his like reveal, where it's like halfway down the forearm, that was pretty yeah. cool. That was really cool. So I don't understand how Luba. The um, the African American uh, Megan Good that was uh, part of the five. It, a quick question: How's She Luba, yeah. does she live on the second floor? No, I'm not getting the joke. You know the song. My name is Luba. I live on the second floor. Maybe it was a Canadian hit. Never mind. Okay, uh, maybe. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I've never heard the word like the name Luba before, so I I didn't I didn't get that. One. <laughs> I, I will tweet uh, a link on YouTube with the video, okay. and then we'll laugh post podcast <laughs> i'm gonna uh, shut up now i'm sorry but, I, I ruin everything <laughs> i am no crosses man to tell you right now oh god oh man i hope so, he reaches out to me how often awesome <laughs> if he listens to this oh man i'd be like erection for a week <laughs> i wouldn't do anything because it's holy anyways you're saying uh, so the the guy talks about how he kills people or how he killed people and no one knew about it, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And and her character, all she did was take bribes. 
Whoopie fucking do. She took some bribes. How does that compare to this guy murdering people? She her bribes I, her bribes led to people dying though. Yeah. Her her actions caused those eight people to die in the fire. Weak as hell. I I can understand the other lady being in there because she is the one who, you know, said to destroy the building where she knew there were eight people living. But it's not Luba's fault that this bitch decided to do that. Like, well, yeah, but I mean, you know, I, he's locked up people for less. It's, I mean, it's, come it's on, guilt really? by association, really. Amanda has, I'd say. Well, like, wh- why was Charles there? Because he he hid the story. He buried the story. Yep. Does he deserve, yeah. You know, he didn't kill those eight people. He just didn't. Right. He, he he he, and he didn't lie. He just didn't display the the truth like he didn't display the story so it's you know does he deserve to be to be part of that he didn't no. kill anybody no. you know he just he turned doesn't. the other way so it is fitting that the two people that remain at the end are the two people who started uh, and finished did the murder, you know yeah but i don't know i i dug i dug this story you know it was interesting i did like how at the end they figured out if we just kept everyone a lot you know if we just paid attention yeah. Everyone would have made it through. Yeah, exactly. I I love that part of it. And and that's I the thing was... with that's the thing with these saw movies, right? Is like you have to read between the lines, but you also have to read every letter of the rules. You know, right? Like, listen. Don't just assume. L- like, really listen for a second, and everybody will be okay. Well, hell, that was the whole plot of the second movie. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> you just have to sit here and talk to me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> so Jill comes at one point at the end, she comes back and she goes to talk with Erickson and talks about how she thinks Strom is following her. There's something going on there, which again, obviously we will find out in the next movie, I'm sure, but it just, it looked like she was lying and I don't know what it's about. Cause I don't fucking remember the next two, the next two movies at all. I remember the seventh one a little bit better, but I don't remember number six at all. And so there's something, clearly something going on there. And it just felt like she was lying. Like she knows something that she's not telling us as audience members yet well and and she also did this after she opened the box yeah mm-hmm. so maybe right. she had some rules or maybe she's maybe she's part of a game now you know what i mean uh, like obviously yeah. something in the box scared her a bit mm-hmm. you know because if not like if there wasn't if it was nothing of importance then she would just continue living her life you know yeah i'm jigsaw's ex-wife but now she's she's putting herself inserting herself back into this story why why is that We'll soon Stay find tuned out. for next week to find out why. Next week on Cinefish's podcast. <laughs> Did you guys catch? So I was trying to figure out why Hoffman's phone said he was calling Strom and then it called Erickson. And then when Erickson called Strom back, Strom's name showed up on the phone that Hoffman had and powered down. I just that was Strom's I didn't phone. understand what the hell was happening. Yeah, Hoffman took the phone. I guess the phone was in evidence because, you know, he went to the evidence locker. And he pulled something out of a plastic bag. No, Strom's oh, phone. Okay. So it just yeah. says on his phone, Peter Strom's phone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that seems again like the writer's holding the audience's hand. Yep. You know what? You know what his underwear says? Peter Strom's, <laughs> Strom's underwear. underwear? Yeah. No, it says Peter Strom's bone. <laughs> <laughs> I'm applying myself in that one. <laughs> Peter Strom's bone. Strom's bone. <laughs> Oh God! I'm sorry. Continue. <laughs> <laughs> yes, please. I'm having, I'm having fun. I don't know what you guys. 
<sighs> All right. So what else do we have here? Um, I guess all that we have left is uh, the um, twist. Yeah, uh, pretty much uh, the uh, the last scene where uh, Drake goes down to uh, you know we track his phone. It's tracked to the, to the warehouse, and it's you know again the foot chase between Strom and Drake and uh, Hoffman. So okay. If I say it, it doesn't. It's not as you know important, I guess, because I have seen the film before. Ash, you've not seen it before, so what did you think about this twist? I, on the one hand, from a character's perspective, I liked that. Okay, but it was. It wasn't that it was telegraphed, but to this point that. Uh, he was planning on doing something to Strom and and Mm -hmm. he was setting Strom up for this and as soon as you he played the tape and you heard you know Costas's voice coming across instead of Jigsaw's it's like okay he's dead you know and the twist wasn't necessarily a twist it was it was kind of interesting but the way it all played out and then with the flashbacks and everything else, it's just like, it's like, you know, the writers are like, look, look, we're brilliant. We're brilliant. Ah, you know, Jigsaw taught him to anticipate everything and and yeah. we're brilliant. And I'm just like, <laughs> this is dumb. But <laughs> it, it was just kind of like, OK, I and the trap was interesting, but it was just it, 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 I don't know. It just it felt dumb. You, you bring up good points. It's I guess it's not really a twist. It's kind of just the – it's more of just a conclusion mm-hmm. because the entire film, to me at least, was building to Hoffman setting Strom up for yes. this. Yeah. And so then at the end, I guess the only thing that was you could quote unquote call twisty was the fact that Strom was intentionally – I'm sorry, that Hoffman intentionally no, locked himself or had – Strom lock himself into the into the box of ice or whatever that would then be pulled into the ground. But I mean, it was crushed glass, fucking do, like, supposedly. Yeah, oh, okay. that's why you'll get yeah. a moment of discomfort, but you'll be safe, you know. Yeah. Um, but I, I, again, that that's the thing is that Hoffman was able to pin the dirty cop on Strom, you know, um, because I, by the end of the film, Which I uh, expected. Yeah. But but he actually did it successfully, you know? Yeah. Like Drake thought like had the EPB on Strom, Strom's a bad guy. Right. Cell phone's there, coffee's still hot, Strom's in there somewhere, you know. Um, and of course Hoffman is able to escape via his little glass box to a pretty badass death again, you know. That was a cool death. I like it. It was. Yeah. Like I, I'm a big fan of watching compound fractures, you know. <laughs> like <laughs> it, so cool. you know a leg's broken when you can see the bone, you know what I'm saying? Um, so I thought that was very cool and I thought it was a cool way to end the movie with the doors closing and Hoffman safe in his little box ready for saw number six so you liked the ending good dude I dug this movie I don't know why (laughs) I fucking love this movie alright so what are your final thoughts on it then Mark Uh, I love this movie no um, (laughs) you know what Uh, my recollection of the film uh, did not give the movie justice I think everybody should rewatch us all films again because there's so much fun. So, you know, years later, um, 
Yeah, I think I like this one so much because Saw 4 was such a drag for me. I like the backstory, but the actual like trap story sucked. And this one, you got some more cool backstory. You got some cool traps. Um, yeah, I my attention was kept the whole film. I didn't remember the movie, stars. but uh, stars, I'm going to give this three stars. And I'm going to give you my ranking now because we didn't do it last week. Oh, that's right. So from from favorite to least favorite. So I'm going to give Saw 3 props. So Saw 3 is my number one favorite. Then I'll go with the original Saw. Then I'm going to put Saw 5 in the middle. Saw 2. And then uh, least favorite was Saw 4. Okay. Interesting. Mandalorian Interesting phrased. turn of events there. Yeah. So what about you, Ash? What were your final thoughts on uh, on Saw 5? Well, it wasn't boring like 4. I will give it that. Um, they were they were just trying too hard. And it's like, Gillo, we got this great twist. And it's just not a twist. It's just like it's the end result of what you guys have been right. showing us the whole movie. Thanks. <laughs> um, but I don't know. It... I and the traps are pretty cool. If the if they had done more with the five people uh, and yeah. focused less on, you know, setting up, you know, if they'd made Costas's motives, uh, you know, and what he was doing a little less obvious and mm-hmm. focused a little, you know, me and the cop, you know, investigating it and the you know, FBI agent investigating it off the side a little bit. It, they could have restructured this a little bit better and then it would have been a twist. Uh, it, it's just, it, I don't know. They were just, they were trying too hard. They're treating their audience like idiots. And it just, it's just like, they didn't make me care about who I needed to care about really. Um, like you said, we're taking the guy that everyone hated in the fourth movie and making him the lead of the fifth movie. Really? Uh, <laughs> so I don't know. I, I like this one better than four. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think it is a better film than the first three, though. So I'm going to give this one a two. Okay. And let, let's make it's Ash. You're, you're generally very positive about film. So I feel like when there's something you don't like, it's always uh, surprising to me. And <laughs> um, yeah, so this one, you know, I guess I'm not surprised that you don't like it just given the film. But, you know, it's always fun to hear you. Uh, have something less than positive to say about it. So, <laughs> um, yeah, this to me, I'm getting old. <laughs> <laughs> Since we started these podcasts back in 2012 or whenever the hell it yeah. was, I guess our first one was in 2012. But that's funny. So, I think my biggest problem with Saw Five is that it's just a really, really poorly written film. Um, the traps were better. But I think that's the best thing that it's got going for it. You know, the twist, you, can, you can't even really call it a twist. Um, the answers just came way too easily for all the characters in, this, in the film. Um, specifically, the group of five people. Um, there were some points where things were coming too easily. And then, uh, especially Agent Strom, which I'm not even going to talk about anymore because I've dealt with it enough. But um, I don't like virtually any of the characters, especially Strom, who's uh, you know, driving the plot forward. Uh, at least he's dead now, so we don't have to worry about him in the rest of the series, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, Mandalore surprised the hell out of me. He was really good here, which I didn't expect. Um, he he plays this character 
really well. Um, there may not be a ton of depth to the guy, but he does really well with what he's given. So, you know, good on him. I wanted more Jill in this one, which was surprising because I didn't really like her in the last film. But I'm guessing that we're going to get more of her in the next couple films. So that's fine. Actually, I th- maybe just the next film. But uh, I don't know. Like I said earlier, that felt like a long episode of a television series um, that plays weekly, not a film where we have to wait like another year for, for more answers. Yeah. from. I, it, to me, it's like a, it's like a Netflix miniseries, like eight episodes yeah. and you're done, you know? Well, and, right. that's, and that's the thing. The first film, you can watch the first film and you'll be done. Oh, absolutely. And But after the first one, they've started setting up this kind of serial, serialized storytelling, which Mm -hmm. it's kind of interesting. But at the same time, it's just like they're they weren't really sure how they were going to do it. So it's just it doesn't like the pacings off. The clues are sometimes too obvious. Sometimes they're just like they throw little bits in and it's like, ah, you know, you're going to have to remember this a year later. Uh, (laughs) And it's just like, what? Okay. Well, no, you're right because, like, look at the Marvel movies where th- that is serialized storytelling, mm-hmm. but it's like, but they planned their arc before the first movie was made. Yep, you know? yeah, exactly. And with this one, they're shoehorning it to make it fit. Mm-hmm. And like, you know, if it's a puzzle, the puzzle picture might not look nice at the end. Yeah, you know. Um, so th- I think that's the thing with this movie is that it it, it did serialized movie telling. Before Marvel really made it a thing, you know, and um, yeah, it just make note that that at this point, Mark, you have now um, stated that the Saw series has influenced the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I'm just saying there there is no Hoffman <laughs> with you know there is no Captain America with the Hoffman, right? Because let's be honest here. I don't know what you're laughing. There's a, so you're what you're saying is there's no Captain America without Costas Mandalore. Pretty much. <laughs> oh, anyway, this Costas Christ. <laughs> Costas Christ. Oh my God. I'm going to leave you this with that. So That's what I'm going to leave you with. Like Jesus Christ, Man- he's a terrible actor? Yeah, I would agree. Man, will be praised. <laughs> man, <love> be- <laughs> oh. oh, man, I hope he yeah, follows so- me on Twitter. <laughs> I know. <laughs> So my star rating on this one, I, I, I'm torn on it. When I wrote it down, even after I wrote, like minutes after I wrote it, I was like, ah, I don't know if that's right or not. I, for some reason, I still think I like Saw 4 more, even Ooh. though I like the traps better here. But the story here just, I don't know, it just bothered the hell out of me. So... I initially gave it 1.5, but I think that's wrong. I am going to give this one two out of four stars. I believe I gave Saw 4 two and a half. Uh, so it just feels more right to get this one at two two out of four stars. And then my series ranking mm-hmm. would have to go Saw, Saw 3, Saw 2, Saw 4, Saw 5. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Oh, Question. I didn't do my series did, ranking. I know. You did do your ranking. Yeah, do yours. Uh, saw, Saw 3, Saw 2, Saw 5, Saw 4. Okay. I love how we're having all different opinions on this. This is fun. I know. <laughs> um, now, did, did you uh, um, did you rate this on IMDb when you first saw it? Like you did? I didn't. I was so pissed off. I didn't. Did no. you give it twelve stars out of ten? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, he didn't like this one. Remember the first time? Yeah, I didn't like this one. The first time I saw it. For whatever reason, I just didn't rate it on IMDb. I don't know why. Oh, I think that's so humorous. He's so pissed off. I he know. didn't even bother to rate it. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Exactly. Uh, All I, I right. Admit, so it's more fun ahead. watching these movies 
and like having so different opinions than the Tarantino fan. Right, yeah. <laughs> you exactly. know, the, the song verse we were doing here is is so much. It's so different. It's a different beast. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it's definitely a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. So, all right, so that'll be that for Saw Five. So make sure you check out the podcast next week. We'll be talking about Saw Six, <laughs> the second to last film in the series. Mm. All right, so check out cinefessions dot com for more. Make sure you check out our review of Saw Four, which just went live a few days back. And also watch my June Horror Pack unboxing video, which is getting, surprisingly, the most hits of any of our YouTube videos yet. The number's laughably small still, but, I mean, damn, if I'm not excited about it. You know, you got to start somewhere. Oh, so, and congratulations on your first negative thumbs down. Thank you. I appreciate that. I feel like you really make it when you get your first thumbs down. So I'm sure there'll be thousands more to follow. But <laughs> <laughs> So check out Cinefessions on YouTube. Like, comment, and subscribe there to get all of our videos. Ash, Mark, thank you guys for joining me twice this week. I really appreciate your commitment to helping helping us get back on schedule. So thank you. I, I don't know. I, I think if 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 Mark gets into Costas Mandalore anymore, he will be committed. <laughs> I, I, I want to do some cosplay Mandalore. <laughs> oh God, take pictures. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh man. So the next podcast will be uh, at our regularly scheduled time next week. So that'd be Friday, July 1st. Like I said, we're going to talk about Saw 6. So make sure you're on the lookout for that one. So thank you for everyone who has let us take a a little bit of time out of your day this week, maybe twice this week um, or twice next week, uh, whatever the hell it ends up going live. But, you know, it means a lot to us. So thank you, guys. And if you like what you're hearing, please leave us a review on whatever platform it is that you like to listen to us on, whether it's iTunes, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, or somewhere else entirely. Uh, Reviews help us get more listeners. And that's the goal, right? So any review you could help, uh, any review you could leave for us would really help us. Um, especially if it's positive one, that'd be really great. So that is that for tonight. So I want to thank everyone for listening and we'll catch you next time. (laughs) 